Um, so I'm going to hand you to our final speaker, Simon Woodman, who's going to pull this all together and bring us back to this idea and revelation of the new heaven, new earth. So over to you, Simon. Thank you. Uh, I think there is an important question to be asked when it comes to considering a properly Christian response to the common good. And the question is this, what in the world are we here for? Well, I propose that the church, both universal and local, is here in this world to build a vision for the common good. I'd like to invite you to come with me for a moment into the fascinating vision of the church on the earth, which is found in the biblical image of the New Jerusalem in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. Many readers of this image have taken it as a vision of the future, something which will happen at some point far from now, as this mysterious celestial city kind of descends from the heavens to bang down on a new, renewed earth. I think it's important to tease this out, because if a Christian comes to believe that this present earth is going to go quite literally to hell, to be replaced in God's good time by a new earth and a new city purified for the elect to live in, then they've got very little motive to act in ways that build the common good in the present. In some prominent streams of evangelicalism in the USA and elsewhere, it's not uncommon to find Christians so focused on heaven and the future that they will vote for politicians in the present whose policies are contrary to the common good. So in the light of this observation, I want to offer this image of the New Jerusalem as a model for Christian engagement in building a vision for the common good here and now. My suggestion is that this image is a metaphor for the church militant, the church today, a compelling picture which invites further reflection as to what it might mean to be the church in the here and now, in this time and in this place. By this understanding, the New Jerusalem is a picture of the people of God on the earth, a symbolic image designed to address the question of what on earth we're here for. So bear with me for a moment, because I'd like us to consider the utility supplies in the New Jerusalem, and specifically the supply of light and water. The text states that the city has no need for either the natural lights of the sun and the moon or for the artificial light that comes from lamps. Rather, the glory of God is its light and its lamp is the Lamb of God. In fact, it has so much light that it shines brightly enough for all the nations to walk by its light. Similarly, the New Jerusalem seems to have a never-ending supply of fresh water, enough not only for its own citizens, but to quench the thirst of anyone who wishes to come and take the water of life as a gift. This consideration of light and water supplies introduces us to the concept of the economics of the common good. In any city and in any society, there are certain things that it will make more sense to enact collectively. The lighting of the streets is a classic example, although the principle can be extrapolated across many areas of need and provision. The significant thing about streetlights 
is that no one streetlight exclusively benefits any one individual. The system only works when all the lights are working for the benefit of all the inhabitants. It would make no sense to try and levy a charge on citizens only for the light they actually used, or to arrange to illuminate only the part of the pavement that somebody happens to be walking along. Similarly, one person's use of light does not materially detract from another person's use of it. And this, in a nutshell, is the economics of the common good. The same is true of water supplies, sewage systems, public transport, healthcare provision, to name but a few further examples. And enlightened rulers down the centuries have sought to implement policies for the common good, from the building of Roman aqueducts to the healthcare and welfare reforms of the modern era. However, the difficulty such leaders have faced is that to do this, to enact policies for the common good, requires a clear initial vision of the end result you want to get to, in order that the bold economic steps to construct and offer a service for all, regardless of need or level of use, can be justified politically. For policies to be enacted for the common good, there first has to be a clear vision of that common good. And one of the key weaknesses of neoliberal capitalism has been that its driving vision has been towards the good of the individual rather than towards the good of all. The emphasis on free trade, privatisation, deregulation and fiscal austerity have at best placed the common good as a secondary function of the overarching vision of personal self-interest. Well, those of us who retain a hope for communitarian economics might well wonder where in the 21st century voices offering a coherent vision for the common good will emerge. Well, we're back to the image of the New Jerusalem as the city with enough light to shine across all the nations, with enough water to supply the thirst of any who need it. Inviting, I think, a deeply politicised reflection on the church's understanding of itself and its role in the world for the common good. All too often, churches have come to see themselves as existing in the world for their own benefit, with the church in effect functioning as a closed-set club, admission upon request. And any benefits that such churches offer to the wider world are often secondary at best. The church has invented itself in the image of society, rather than seeing itself as existing in society in fulfilment of a covenant of universal benefit. However, if we believe that the church is called to be the new Jerusalem, then its calling is to offer light and water to the communities beyond its own border, or whatever boundary or wall it has constructed around itself. So the question, of course, then, is what offering light and water might look like in our complex, technological, 24-hour Western society. What does it mean for the contemporary church to build a vision for the common good? Where is the need in today's context? What would it mean, I wonder, for the people of God in our time to shine light into the darkest corners of our society? exposing the oppressive systems and practices 
that enslave people's souls and bodies? What would it mean for the people of God in our context to offer refreshing water to those who are being poisoned by the polluted atmosphere of hatred and cynicism and despair? Well, I want to suggest that the people of God are here in the world precisely for this, to throw open the doors of their communities, to shine brightly for the benefit of those beyond themselves, and to build a vision for the common good. The people of God are called to seek the welfare of the context to which they have been sent. And this is not about building a new building or even building a new community. It's actually about building a new world. The people of God are here to learn together to see the world differently, to see the world as God sees it, and then to speak and live into being an alternative way of being human before God. It is this new world which is light and water to those whose lives are in darkness and whose souls are parched. This, as I said, is a highly politicised understanding of the role of the church in the world where the personal good is subsumed within the common good. But in a world of growing fear, with the whiff of fascism in the air, with growing suspicion of the other and fear of the foreigner, with poverty and homelessness literally on the doorsteps of our churches, with mental health services in crisis at the point where they're most needed, with social care and security facing cuts of catastrophic levels, maybe this is what the church is here in the world for. It's here to be the new Jerusalem, to build a vision for the common good, where the absolute love of God for each and every person lies of the heart of all that it does. The people of God are where dreams become real and visions get built. We are the outposts on the earth of the new world that God is imagining into existence. We are the people of God who live into being in our midst the reality for which we pray that the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you very much, Simon, for that very, very helpful understanding of Revelation, which certainly spoke to me when I read it. I hope that's given you a bit of a flavour for our book and given you some thoughts about how you might want to engage with these issues.